If you would turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2, it's found on page 263. 263. Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the field, the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young men, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came... And she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young, my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man, men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink um, what the young men have drawn." Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, Lord, um, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at the mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some uh, bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed the young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of, of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today, and where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May, may he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth, and Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he has said to me, You shall um, keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. 
And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with the young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. In 1858, a Sunday school teacher named Mr. Kimball led a Boston shoe store clerk to the Lord, and he gave his life to Christ. The clerk was Dwight L. Moody, who later became an evangelist. In 1879, while Moody was preaching in England, the heart of a pastor by the name of F.B. Meyer was set on fire for the Lord, who later came to uh, America and preached in a number of colleges. Under his preaching, a student by the name of Wilbur Chapman was saved. Wilbur worked at the YMCA and eventually hired a a former baseball player named Billy Sunday to do evangelistic work in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Lord blessed Billy Sunday, and the hearts of many were saved, including some 30 businessmen who were convicted by the Holy Spirit that they needed to gather and pray for the city of Charlotte. In May of 1934, a local farmer named Franklin Graham lent these businessmen some land on which they can have a prayer meeting. During one of these meetings, the businessmen felt the Lord leading them to ask Mordecai Ham, a fiery southern evangelist, to come and lead a revival in the city. At that first meeting, Vernon Patterson, one of the businessmen, he prayed this prayer, that out of Charlotte, the Lord might raise up someone to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's a very bold prayer, huh? God answered this prayer through Franklin Graham's son, Billy, who was saved that very night at that revival and proceeded to give his life to the Lord. And he went, as we know, to all parts of the world proclaiming that good news. Do you think all those events I just mentioned happened by chance? Or was there a divine plan in place, orchestrating everything, bringing it all all to its appointed end? It's amazing the things that happened in that list that I just gave you, and none of it was by chance. See, God can see the past, the present, the future, all in one glance. And so He knows how to orchestrate things and put things together. And sometimes that can be so confusing for us because we don't know what God is up to. That's when we need to just trust. Now, despite Naomi's bitterness and Oprah's, Orpah's disbelief and Elimelech's disobedience, Ruth, on the other hand, faced the trials in her life through faith. She made a choice to bloom where the Lord had planted her, even though that meant leaving her family, leaving her home country, leaving her gods. And she went to Bethlehem with with Naomi, right as the the barley harvest was beginning. That's what we were told at the very end of of chapter 1. And this is uh, significant because remember, Naomi said at the end, of, of chapter 1, that, that she was returning empty. 
She felt like the Lord had taken everything from her and she didn't want to be called Naomi, but she wanted to be called Mara because she was bitter. For these two widows, though, to be returning empty right at the beginning of barley harvest, again, that was a hint that God was up to something. That something was about to happen that we should prepare for. What are some of the things our text tells us that brought Naomi and Ruth hope? And the first one I want to focus on has to do with the the providence of God. A theme that actually runs throughout the book of Ruth, not just in chapter 2, but in the other chapters as well. Over and over again, we see God providing for Naomi and Ruth and, and blessing them. Again, that Naomi came home right at the beginning of the barley harvest. It wasn't by chance that Ruth ended up in the field of Boaz, who began to watch out for her and protect her because she was a relative of his. The favor that that Boaz showed Ruth, again, it wasn't by chance. That, That Ruth was able to glean so much grain. It's almost unheard of. Three-fifths of a, a, a bushel. You just can't glean that much by, by picking off the kernels off the ground, but Boaz made sure that her bushel was, was full. Maybe he had some idea that, that Naomi and Ruth were, were starving. That Boaz was one of the kinsmen redeemers. Again, it's not by chance. The other day I was watching some show on, on TV and they proclaimed the certainty of the Big Bang. The certainty of it. The moderator basically said that to believe in anything but evolution, it just ignores all the facts that are there before us. I think we would disagree with that. I believe, though, it, it takes more faith to, to believe that than it does to believe in creation, that, that we have a Creator who created all things. Whether it be creationism or divine design or whatever label you want to get it, it's the idea that God was behind it. It wasn't by chance. For evolution to actually have worked, it would have been like the world winning a pick-five lottery every single day for a million years. And every single day, it won. We would say that that's impossible. There's just no way that for a million years, by chance, you could win the lottery every single day. Clearly, there had to be somebody behind it. We have a Creator who created all things didn't happen by chance. Listen to how the Catechism sums up the doctrine of God's providence. Answer 27. It says, Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which He upholds as with His hand heaven and earth and all creatures. And then question and answer 28. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing will separate us from His love. 
All creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they can neither move nor be moved. This means everything, both good and bad. Even our past sins, our past mistakes, God can use them all for our good when we surrender them to Him. For the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purposes. Sadly, a lot of people today, they think that God basically wound up creation, and after He did that, He just sat back and He's, he's letting it run just on its own. That's not the providence of God. The, the providence of God, the thing we just confessed a moment ago, is that God is behind all things. He knows our lives. He knows everything about us. And He's using all things for our good. Because He loves us so much. Listen to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Another theme that we see running through the the book of Ruth and in the second chapter is the loving kindness of God. The loving kindness of the Lord. I'm sure if you would have asked Naomi about the goodness of God on her way home as she was about to enter Bethlehem, she probably wouldn't have said a whole lot of good things about God. You could say that Naomi was so busy looking back, she was so focused on her troubles, that she lost sight of God. She took her eyes off God, and for, I think, just a brief little while, she got lost. And now that she returns home, chances are that when they left to go to Moab, they, they sold their house or just deserted it. Who knows if somebody else was living there. Maybe they just had to find some empty cottage that they could live in temporarily. But I'm sure whatever they were facing, it was difficult at the time. Another reason we know it was difficult is because Ruth brought home her lunch that she had with Boaz, what was left of it, and she gave that to Naomi to eat. That's how desperate things were. Because they had no extra food in the house. Another indication, I think, of, of the desperate situation for the two of them is that Ruth needed to glean in the fields. Gleaning back then, it was not looked highly upon. It's kind of like pan, panhandlers today. You go into one of the big cities and they seem to be everywhere and they're in your face wanting, wanting money, wanting a handout. That's how they, they, they saw the, the gleaners. Only the poorest of the poor would lower themselves to the point of going out into the fields and picking up the, the gleanings, the leftovers that the harvesters missed. And since gleaners were, were usually women of no social standing, oftentimes the, the workers would take advantage of them. And in many ways, Ruth's situation was even worse than that because not only was she one of those poor women that had come to glean, but she wasn't even an Israelite, but she was from Moab. It's interesting throughout this story, we never hear God directly interacting and blessing Ruth and Naomi. 
Not directly. It's always indirectly. God demonstrates His loving kindness to them by making everyone around them look with favor upon them and want to help them and be there for them. In verse 7, we hear the four men telling Boaz about Ruth, how, how she was a hard worker, how she had only taken a small break and had been in the field that entire time. The townspeople of Bethlehem, they also praised Ruth. It's clear that they saw her as a woman of virtue. Boaz, he praises her in verse 11 for the way she looked out for the welfare of Naomi, the way she left everything that she knew in order to come to Bethlehem with Naomi and take care of her. We're told that Boaz goes up and above the the, the requirements of the law in, in allowing these poor women to uh, glean. Because not only did he protect Ruth and tell his workers to leave her alone, but he told his workers to start leaving even extra in her row so that her basket would be full. Again, he even shares his lunch with her. That's the blessing of God. Sometimes it's through those around us that we're blessed. And I think we all need to be mindful of that. How is God asking you maybe to be a blessing to somebody else? Because when we do those kind of things, who gets the glory? Not us, if we do it right, but it goes to Him. Well, that night when Ruth gets home, we're we're told that she had collected an ephah of barley, which would, again, be about three-fifths of a bushel. Why would Boaz go out of his way to help Ruth like this? And I think it's simply put, because Ruth mattered to God, she mattered to Boaz. Because Ruth mattered to God, she mattered to Boaz. I mean, keep in mind, they had just met. He really didn't know anything about her. Actually, in social status, Ruth was even lower than than his servant girls. But none of that mattered to Boaz. Because Ruth was a child of God. And that's what the loving kindness of God is all about. Again, while we don't see God exploding into these women's lives, yet we do see Him providing for them. And we see His loving kindness giving them what they don't deserve. Just as Scripture says, His loving kindness is new every morning. Now for Naomi, I think this was a turning point in her life. And I think it's a turning point in our our story as well. Naomi was suddenly shaken out of her bitterness and, and anger. And the realization came upon her that God was there. God was taking care of her, even though she felt like she was all alone. I think that's the truth we're reminded of in Isaiah 55.8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. When God is working in our lives, even though He's blessing us, Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Sometimes He doesn't do what we expect Him to do, and 
That's what it takes trust to wait upon the Lord. I think when there's been a long period of time waiting, that's when it's easy to get bitter. It's easy to get angry, to get resentful, to think that maybe God somehow forgot you, but He hasn't. He's at work, either directly or indirectly, like we see in this this story. God is at work, blessing, providing, giving us our, our daily bread. And He wants us to respond in in faith. I only thought that she had been walking on that road to Bethlehem alone. With Ruth, of course, but still she felt she was very much alone. But that first night, I think when she looked back, it's like that poem. She saw one set of footprints and she thought that she was all alone walking on that desert sand. But I think after that first day, when she heard how God had blessed Ruth in her gleaning, and how Boaz had taken a, a, an interest in her, I think all that changed. Suddenly she had hope. She saw God's presence. And she says, He has not stopped showing His kindness to the living and the dead. That's quite a statement for someone who just in the very last chapter said that God had forgotten her and that she was completely empty. That's the Holy Spirit at work. Everything that's been happening to, to Ruth, it's, it's evidence of God's loving kindness. Verse 12, The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by Yahweh the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And any of you ever seen a mama hen with all her chicks? I remember when we were in Hammond, we had um, my last church. We, we had this uh, banny hen, and, and she loved to sit on eggs. And so we'd keep slipping her more and more eggs. We'd, it was kind of fun to see how many she could actually get her little tiny body over. And it was a lot, actually. And it was always fun to suddenly see her walking around the backyard with ten little chicks chasing her. What else was, was kind of fun is when, when I went into the coop at night to check on her and the other chickens, that, that, that little banny would be in a corner with her, her chicks. They were all underneath her wings. And all of a sudden, because the light came on, you'd see all these, these heads pop through the feathers. Ten little heads. Trying to see what was happening and then they'd duck back down. What did those chicks do to deserve that protection, that care by Mama Hen? Nothing. And neither do we. We don't deserve the loving kindness of God. But He bestows it on us anyways, out of His great love for us. It reminds me of that passage in in Psalm 91, where the psalmist says, where He calls us to to rest in the shadow of the Almighty. How do you rest in somebody's shadow? The only way you can be close enough to somebody to be in their shadow is to be right next to them, right? That's what God asks us to do. To rest in His shadow. To come under His wings of protection. To trust His love. That He will care for us and provide for all our needs. 
where Naomi became consumed by her problems. Ruth, on the other hand, she was able to look through the eyes of faith, trusting that God had all things in His hands and He would take care of them. We don't hear Ruth complaining. We don't hear Ruth feeling sorry for herself. She really is a godly woman. A woman who's put her trust in God. It's not contingent, her trust. Well, God, if you do this for me, then I'll trust you and I'll follow you and I'll love you. No. She chose to follow Him regardless what happened. When she went to Bethlehem, she didn't know how it was going to end out, turn out. But she trusted God and that was enough. That's what God calls us to, to do as well. To trust Him. Even when we can't see Him, even when we don't know what He's up to, trust Him. Trust His love. He will not leave us or forsake us. The Bible says He'll be with us to the very end. The very end of the age. That's His promise to you and me. And you can trust it. Ruth walked by faith. And in doing this, she found God sufficient for all her needs. And this is really the choice we all need to make. Are we going to reflect the heart of God? And if we are, then are we going to allow His loving kindness to be seen through us, to be seen in us? Listen to 1 John 4. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Sunday school teacher asked her class if they knew the difference between kindness and loving kindness. And one little girl said she knew the difference. She told the teacher that kindness is like when you ask your mom for some, some bread or some toast, and she gives it to you because she knows you're hungry. But loving kindness is when you ask your mom for some toast. Not only does she give you the toast, but she gives you butter and jam on it, on top of it. It's really not such a bad analogy of what the loving kindness of God is about. He gives us what we don't deserve. He gives it to us because He loves us. Because He wants to bless us. That's the way God is in His loving kindness. He's a, he's a generous giver. He doesn't, he doesn't just give you a couple of blessings, but He fills our lives with blessings. He makes sure that we have butter and jam on our bread. This love, this loving kindness, this is what we're called to take refuge under. Just like those little chicks. Each of us, we need to turn to the Lord and put our trust in Him. And then we have the privilege of then going out into the world and taking that love that we've been shown and being ambassadors of it, sharing it with others. Through the help of the Holy Spirit, may we learn to love as Christ loves us. And through it, may the world know we are Christians by our love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Thank You for Your incredible love for us. Father, we just pray that we might respond to that love like Ruth did, with faith. 
putting our trust in You. Forgive us, Lord, when we allow fear to fill our, our minds, our hearts. And Lord, it, 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 takes our, it makes us take our eyes off You. We become like Naomi, angry and bitter. Forgive us, Lord. Send Your Holy Spirit upon us. We pray that not only will we once again know Your love, but we pray that others will see Your love in us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand and we're going to sing the servant song.